God is a God who loves new beginnings. So, take a deep breath right now. Let go of yesterday. Embrace this day. Wherever you are, whatever's happening, lift up your hearts. And we'll learn together how to find God. And in particular, we're going to learn how to find Him in an unlikely nook and cranny of the human experience for which we need a little higher level of expertise. So we get to say hello today to Richard Allen Blackman. Hello, Dr. Rick. Hey, John. So good to see you, as always. Wonderful to see you, and you look great. I know you had some kind of surgery stuff done in your face, and you thought you'd look too disfigured to actually appear on camera. And I, I, I had a bunch of bandages. I, I wasn't going to let you film me a few days ago because I had some bandages yeah. on, but yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling better now. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you look fabulous. Thank you, as do you. So we've been walking through uh, the book of Genesis, and it is uh, unbelievably insightful, penetrating, uh, formative. There is no account of the origins of uh, humanity or the world that has had the influence that Genesis does, whatever you think of it, those of you who are listening to this right now. And uh, we've been looking most recently at what is sometimes called the fall, although interestingly, that's not a word that occurs in Genesis. In fact, it's kind of interesting. In the Old Testament, um, uh, Eve is not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament from uh, after the fourth chapter of Genesis. And uh, Adam has talked about very, very little. Uh, I think part of the significance of that is that the story of Adam and Eve is not nearly so much an explanation about why things are the way they are, as it is a description of the condition in which we find ourselves as human being. And Rick, as a therapist, that's what you deal with all the time, every day. And in particular, after there is uh, the, the disobeying of God, a violation of what is good, the decision to indulge appetite rather than do uh, what humanity knows is the right thing to do, um, there's a... Uh, dynamic present that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, when the woman and the man eat the fruit, it says their eyes are opened. Now that's what they've been hoping for. The tempter said your eyes be open. Yeah. But instead of um, being godlike in power uh, or creativity, uh, they're actually filled with shame. And then when God comes to talk with them and he asks the man, uh, where are you? Uh, what is it that's happened? The man blames the woman. When God talks to the woman, the woman blames the serpent. And so there is this sense of um, fallenness, shame, nakedness, vulnerability, guilt. And instead of kind of owning things, a blaming of others. And that gets to the whole issue of guilt and blame and pain in human relationships. Um, so, Rick, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts are, on um, how do guilt and blame color uh, people's relationships? Well, it's interesting. I think the last time you and I talked, we talked about the line earlier about being naked and unashamed. Mm -hmm. And yep. here we're talking now about shame. And my first thought, neurologically, in recent years, they try to pinpoint the different emotions humans have, and they keep narrowing it, 12, down to 10, down to 8, and now 6. But in any, and they localize these feeling states in the brain. And always shame and guilt is one of the um, primary negative emotions. So it goes along with fear and sadness. Um, but guilt and shame, 
And generally, a therapist will always think that guilt is generally connected to a thing that you've done wrong, to some kind of sin, some kind of error, some kind of missing the mark. And shame, which feels very similar to guilt, is generally considered to be um, kind of attached to your, your being, your sense of yourself, that I'm bad, I'm wrong. Um, and when I think about that story of blame, it's always seemed to me that shame um, triggers defensiveness even more than guilt. Guilt can do so too. And the tonic for guilt is repentance uh, and turning away. The tonic for shame, the answer for shame is more complicated, it seems to me. But I see that dynamic in the story uh, where they felt shame, they knew their nakedness, uh, and they felt shame, which has to do with uh, a much stronger sense that something's wrong, something deeply wrong. Uh, I know when I get, when my wife will point something out to me. Yeah, and- we were talking about this recently, uh, about one of the positive attributes you have is if she points out something wrong with you, you are always very open and non-defensive and eager to learn. Wish that uh, were true, my good friend, John. No, I was sharing that with you. I'm still trying to puzzle this out, that I can be so defensive. And I know I come from a family of defensive people. We're, always, we're all fighters. Hmm. Um, and, and I think the reason, if she's just pointing out a thing that I do wrong, a habit that's annoying or something like that, that's not going to be a big deal. If it was just guilt, I think I wouldn't feel so defensive. But in unpacking it, I won't make this a therapy session with you, John, but if I unpack it more deeply, I think it goes to some deeper sense. You know, Brene Brown thinks of shame as a matter of worthiness or, excuse me, unworthiness. Mm -hmm. You feel unworthy, that you feel not enough, that you feel like there's something deeply wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I think at least, you know, another time you and I talked, we were talking about how everybody gets defensive um, and they feel insecure, but they do it in different ways. They can take a one down position or a one up position. And I think my defensiveness in a way is my way of taking a one up position. I try to get on top of um, the, the allegation or the criticism that I'm feeling. But I think really it's because deep inside, for reasons I still may want to try to figure out more fully, um, I feel like there's something deeply wrong with me. That's interesting. So uh, those two responses could look so different. Uh, Somebody trying to take the one up position could look like they think they're superior, they're aggressive, they're right. One down could be somebody where it seems like they're deeply wounded, they have a deep sense of inadequacy, but really both of them who look so different from the outside could be suffering from the same condition internally. Isn't that just so interesting, John? Yes, it's very clear that the one down position is full of shame. But as you just said, I think the one up position, the aggressive, defensive Mm -hmm. posture uh, is filled with shame too. And so the tonic for that is harder uh, to get at. And I, even though I'm a Christian psychologist, I just cannot help but think that the real answer to those kinds of issues, whether Brene Brown is bringing them up or whether we're talking about them in our close relationships, um, that the, the answer to shame has more to do with who God sees us to be and hmm. 
are we deeply unworthy? And in some ways, the answer might be yes to that, um, if we're honest. But the cross and thinking about a relationship with God isn't founded on what we do or what we have, that sort of thing, but more on what God thinks of us. Mm. That's how I always think of that that early uh, story with Adam and Eve. Mm. And so uh, when you're talking with uh, clients who wrestle with uh, this sense of guilt or shame, um, or if you're wrestling with it yourself and you see it evoked in your relationship with your wife or other relationships, um, where do we go with that? What what can people who are listening to us right now do to both become aware of it, recognize here's wrong ways that I respond to that, uh, and then where does healing come from? Um, it's a great question. I think the first thing to do is to try to be self-aware and own mm. the feeling of guilt. And the next step, I got this from one of my mentors way back that you know too, um, my mentor would always say, try to distinguish the guilt feeling that you have and see if it's what he called either true guilt or false guilt. And what he meant by that is he, he would think that there was a, like a, a metric, a column on one side that would be the state of guilt and a column on the other side that would be the feeling of guilt. Mm. And he said true guilt was when the feeling of guilt uh. roughly commensurate with the state of guilt. And then you could go from there. And of course, the answer to that is repentance and owning what you did wrong and the gravity of what you did wrong and the consequences of it. But the other two problems, when the state of guilt is high and the feeling of guilt is low on the other side, that's what he called psychopathic guilt. That's no conscience. That's when you're guilty, but you don't feel guilt. And of course, that's a problem. And frankly, prisons are full of people mm. uh, like that. The other side, which is where I think maybe the problem of shame comes, is when the feeling of guilt is high, but the state of guilt is lower. So unpacking that, and I've just told you about a thousand different therapy sessions yeah. that I had with different people talking about this and trying to unpack this and trying to figure out, is there some real sin, real things to own? Or are the feelings of guilt, which feel very similar, whether they are rooted in shame or uh, action, um, or are they, are they false guilt? Or, yeah. or my, my mentor used to call it neurotic guilt, John. And yeah. he said, though they feel the same, if you can think the thing through or talk about it with a friend or talk about it with someone that um, you trust, if you discover that the feeling of guilt is outstripping the state of guilt, then you want to name it. Like he always <laughs> encouraged me to name it as neurotic, call it neurotic and step over it and move away from it um, as fast as you can. It's very interesting. I never thought about this before, but in the Genesis account, uh, it would appear that both Adam and Eve, the man and the woman, have a keen sense of shame. Mm -hmm. Eyes are open and they're aware that they're naked. They feel aware of their nakedness. But it looks like their sense of guilt is actually too low. It might be. Yeah. Uh, and certainly 
their wow. ability to own it is too low. So instead of the man or the woman saying to God, yes, I did this, I chose this, they deflect and uh, try to blame it on somebody yep. else rather than owning it in themselves. So whereas I, I think modern psychology therapeutic thought often tends to really focus on those parts of guilt that are neurotic. Don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. Yeah. It's interesting in the biblical account, the problem is actually people not owning uh, that degree of guilt. And it's a strange thing that there's actually power in owning guilt um, if it's legitimate, if it's not neurotic. So for everybody who's listening now, just take a moment and ask God's help in this. Um, what, what am I experiencing today? My relationships, especially my closest one, when somebody criticizes me or if I face this at work, where do I get defensive? Where do I start to feel vulnerable? Am I able accurately to own what I should own and let go of what I should let go of and find my healing through all of that in the forgiving love of God? End of lesson beginning of your day with God. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim. I'm a part of the team here at Become New. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each video, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Or if you'd like to receive a text alert whenever we release a new video, you can text the word become to the number 855-888-0444. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. You can text that request to that same number, 855-888-0444. There's a group of us who meet every day to pray over those requests. So we look forward to hearing from you Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.